Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful Friday by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, Dave. Rather hot, though, don't you think? Kind of hot a little for November? Yeah. If I could pull it off, I would do the Jim Carrey smoking, you know, but I can't. I don't have that in me. I don't have that kind of range. Um, but it is it is, it is, is white hot outside. It is. Yeah, it is. It is surface of the sun level. Walking uh, my daughter to school this morning, it was, you know, when the sun just feels particularly sweltering? It was that. It was that feeling of it felt like it was an inch from my face. It was great. <laughs> and, I don't like and the sun. Could... I'm 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 an I'm an I'm a uh, I'm a, 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 a long-standing English Irishman. So the sun and I are not friends. Yeah, it's in your DNA just yeah. to go live in a dark, dank cave. Yeah, I do not want the sun ever shining upon me, and certainly not in November. Yeah, obviously, why you have the beard? Just right. to sh- shield yourself from any sun's rays as much as possible. But I will say this, Tracy: the sun is certainly shining. On UCLA sports fans because it's basketball season, baby. <laughs> yes, um, good transition. Uh, you can't say that generally, though, because there is this tail end of the football season, and uh, there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty there. But UCLA has the number two basketball team in the land, and they play against the number four basketball team uh, in the country in Villanova tonight. At Dave, you always you always know this stuff about why uh, the networks uh, determine uh, television slot. Why is this game at eight thirty tonight? Because they hate us. I, I, just I, maybe I don't know. I, but in Philadelphia, what time is it right now? It, they're three hours now, ahead. I'm right? gonna get out uh, my abacus and uh, various uh, dousing rods and try to figure this out, but I believe it is 11.30 will be the tip so time in, Vill- in Villanova land. Where in anyone's boardroom would they think that a game on the East Coast at 11.30 because between number two and number four would be a good idea? Because they hate us. That's it. That's the only reason. It's the actual reason. I, you you told me at the beginning. You, you pumped me up and you said, I always know the reason. And I'm telling you right now, it's because they hate us. And I don't but mean that don't in a collective sense. But they don't hate Villanova. No, 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 but so... I don't, no, 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 no. Hang on. I don't mean that in a collective sense. I mean they literally hate you and they hate <laughs> me, the two people talking on this show. You know, it's the last game of the day schedule. Mm-hmm. Looking at the schedule for the whole day. And it's on ESPN too. You can't, ESPN couldn't have just maybe, let's just off the top of my head, switched out uh, Abilene Christian versus Texas A&M or SIU Edwards versus Chicago, or or maybe UMass at Yale, um, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. I mean, those are all earlier in the day on ESPN. But yeah, or in ESPN, station so well, I, the, 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 the real shame of it is ca- a casual college basketball fan would actually watch this game like it, you don't need to be a Villanova UCLA fan to be interested in this game like I'm not I, I don't watch many college basketball games that aren't like related to the Pac-12 anymore but if it's a top five matchup between two teams and non-conference play I'm going to tune into that 
but they're artificially depressing what will be the uh, uh, actual viewership numbers because it's on so damn late. Like, people are not going to see this game who otherwise would have been interested. It seems like a real misstep. Um, but, I mean, we've been complaining about it off and on for three months now since the tip time was announced. So, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's an annoyance. Um, I think it potentially plays to UCLA's advantage, probably, because um, it'll just be so damn late. You know, they'll be less tired than the Villanova players. Um, Villanova's but, playing it. I mean, their body clocks haven't adjusted. They'll be playing at 11.30 their time. Right. It's insane. Like, it, it's not it, – it's, like, bordering on, like, maybe, like, potentially damaging to the players, like, physically. Like, it's not – it's really stupid. Really dumb. But anyway, it's going to be a really good game. Um, you know, Villanova is you know, typically probably one of the best coach teams in the country. They've always got a lot of talent, and it's built in such a way that's actually, I think, similar to what kind of Mick Cronin wants to do with the UCLA program. It's not a whole lot of one and done. It's, you know, maybe occasionally sprinkle one in, but for the most part, it's built on, you know, a deep program that develops players and, you know, takes them through their junior year a lot of times. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's too you know kind of uh if not like similar in style similarly minded program uh coaches with um real defined ideas of how their program should run and be built and you know culture and all that good stuff um so and it's just, not like villanova doesn't doesn't uh produce pros because they do they totally do it's and it's just and not it, the one and done types yeah, yeah it's a lot of a lot of player development um and uh so I think just from that standpoint, this is an interesting matchup. You know, it's not, you know, uh, UCLA-Kentucky. Because honestly, Villanova is the kind of team where at the beginning of the year, you might be getting a true test. Whereas if you play Kentucky, it's a question of whether they've even gelled in all those new freshmen yet. You might be getting a garbage team in November, and then suddenly they're very good come March. Villanova, you can expect them. This is going to be a good, well-coached team here in Game 2 for them. The same way you can kind of expect UCLA, this is maybe not quite as good of the product as uh, UCLA is going to be in March for Cody Riley reasons as well as just, you know, simple development stuff. But this is going to be a good damn team. So I think it, we should expect a good damn game. Uh, and the the teams are uh, like, as you said, he, uh, Mick Cronin has talked about his admiration for Jay Wright and is I think is even times – has said he would like to pattern his UCLA program after Villanova program. And it's kind of funny because the teams are, are kind of similar in a lot of ways too. Um, I mean, I'm going off of how they were last year. Did you watch Villanova blow out whoever they blew out last this earlier in the week? Because I didn't. So I'm still going on what I saw of them last year. I, no, I, I just I, – I caught the highlights. That's it. One of the best offenses. Just – uh, pretty, pretty offense last year. Just the way they they execute, the way they operate, selfless with the ball, uh, taking just their their shot selection was was phenomenal. It was fun to see. And by the end of the season, that's where UCLA was too. So I expect to see, I think Villanova returns just almost all their guys and UCLA does. So I would expect to see two exquisite offenses here. Now watch them come out and just turn the ball over in every possession and take bad shots. Um, their point guard, Colin Gillespie, is one of those guys who just kind of sneaks up on you when you watch him. You, you kind of, you're not noticing, you're not noticing, and then you, 
He does a few things, you go, ah, and then he's got like, you know, uh, 12 points and seven assists, and he really impacted the game. He's he's just, he's got to be one of the best returning point guards in the country. Um, and uh, similarly, both of their defenses, UCLA and Villanova's last year, were not great. I would say. Um, you know what? I'll look this up really fast. But I remember their defenses. Well, we know UCLA's. But UCLA's defense just was not. Uh, Villanova's defense was not great last year. So two really similar teams, right? Um, what's going to decide? Wow, 135th in effective field goal allowed percentage at 47.9. That's not good. Uh, so what's going to decide this game? Uh, um, you know, Robert Carpentier said it could come down to some little things like <laughs> the eight thirty tip time. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think? Um, I think it's gonna. I mean, from what I'm reading of Villanova and just kind of the makeup of their team, they seem to have some weakness in the front court. Um, I think even with Cody Riley out, I think between Miles Johnson, but even if you're, you know. Getting into Jaime Jaquez, um, I, I think UCLA is going to potentially have an advantage there. Um, now, the question is whether they can actually, at this stage of his development and integration in the team, work through Miles Johnson on any level, or whether that's, whether that's even an efficient way to, for them to um, uh, play offense. Um, I'm really interested to see. I think it's, I mean, Fundamentally, I think it's going to come down to who shoots more threes and who makes more threes, um, because I think Villanova is not going to be able to get a whole lot inside, um, but they can shoot it. Um, you know that that's something that they've been able to do kind of throughout history with Jay Wright. So even without too many stats so far this year, you can anticipate that being a pretty good three point shooting team. Um, but UCLA, you know, it's early. Um, we've seen an exhibition and um, one real game, but UCLA also looks like it can shoot. A little bit. Um, I think with the loss of Cody Riley for this game, UCLA might be pushing a little bit more to, you know, take some perimeter jumpers. They showed, I think, more willingness against Bakersfield um, to rain threes. Um, you know, I, I think it's something we've been maybe clamoring for a little bit from Mick Cronin's offense is to shoot a little bit more from deep. And I think they showed some signs that they might be willing. Uh, but I think it's it's going to come down to a little bit of a three-point shooting contest, which team comes out hot and which team can sustain it for a long period of time because... Cody Riley being out and Villanova not really having an advantage to take, you know, they're, they're going to not, they're probably going to want to avoid Miles Johnson and, and negate him by pulling him out. Um, so I think it's going to be perimeter shooting. Or go at him and try to get him fouled out. Yeah, it's just, it's hard because there's a lot of length on UCLA that I think will be tough for them to deal with, even if they, you know, somehow get some fouls on Miles Johnson. You're, you know, Peyton Watson coming in, he's going to provide a lot of length. I think they're going to want to, you know, see if they can. Um, you know, rain a little bit from the outside. The guy to watch too, Justin Moore. I mean that that guy can go off suddenly for any at any time, and UCLA has a habit that we all know of 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 losing guys and and particularly their star players at times, and they go off. So watch for watch to see how they defend Justin Moore. It'll be really interesting to see how what Cronin does to match up with him. Um, I'd have to think, I'd have to think that uh, Jules Bernard starts on him and then we might be seeing some Jalen Clark on him too. It'd be very interesting to see if somehow Peyton Watson in that length 
ends up matched up with him too. So watch watch for him for Justin Moore. I think he's number five. So yeah, I would yeah. say I would say like um, the Bakersfield game. I think we saw a little bit more of it, especially in the first half. But they're they're really going to need to extend the defense on Villanova. Um, like they need to play in their shirts because if you allow them to shoot threes the way UCLA under Crone in the last two years has just kind of allowed teams to shoot threes. Um, they're going to make a high percentage and they are completely willing to take like half their shots from three. They don't care. Um, so I think that's going to be a priority. Um, they've got to extend the defense. They've got to let their length be their advantage and hope that they can force them to drive into miles Johnson. Uh, but I think that's going to be a big, big priority for UCLA defensively is just running them off the three point line. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh... It is really unfortunate about Cody Riley because I think this would have been a good game for him. Um, I don't know if, I mean, Villanova uh, overall plays physically, plays, you know, is tough minded and, you know, try, it generally is a good defensive team. Um, but I don't know if they necessarily have anyone who matches up with, with Cody Riley that much to be able to defend him. They do have that. Um, Eric Dixon, I think, who's who's a pretty big boy, but it's too bad he would have he would have been able to score on Villanova and really get uh, provided UCLA's offense that inside outside dimension. But still going to be fun. Uh, it's it's a whiteout. Now the question is, what percentage of UCLA fans? Got the notification that's a whiteout, and which percentage of UCLA fans? decided to adhere to the whiteout. Um, I think we're close to a soul, a sellout last I heard. Yeah. The, 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 I, I'm, if they don't have uh, shirts on the seats, then they're doing it wrong. Um, yeah. So you can't rely on every fan to get the notice or to have that sort of, uh, necessary apparel. So they, they better, uh, they better have put them on the seats. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, from, like, a pure aesthetic standpoint, white is one of Villanova's colors. I mean, I understand that you wanted to do something exciting for this game, but, like, it's kind of one of their colors, more than it is UCLA's. So, I don't know. Should have done a blue, a blue out. Well, blue is also one of their colors. Maybe just pick a different game to do this for. Well, I mean, the UCLA blue would have been different. But it's what the home What is the UCLA blue? Because I don't think a single fan knows, because they just wear... <laughs> 15 different shades of it um but it is a home game the team is in white yeah i don't see a problem i mean yeah it's fine on. it's fine whatever yeah um but yeah it should be a it should be a very exciting game i'm looking forward to it uh if i can stay awake um which i have to because i think you're paying me to write a recap of it um yes yeah yes i am yeah um because your your write-ups are so good dave they just oh. they hit they hit on everything. Every, everyone reads them and goes, that's exactly what I think, too. Yeah, that's why they never respond to them. They're just like, this was perfect. So I, <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing else to say to it. I've yeah. never gotten a response to a single thing I've written. No, I'm not responding to this either because you've definitely res, you know, written stuff in response. Um, yeah, so... Have, have you watched any other, uh, other teams at college basketball on <laughs> Tuesday? Have you seen anyone else? I caught a little bit of ASU yesterday, losing to UCR. Wow. Did wow. you see that shot at wow. the end? I was watch I was watching that live when that shot went up. That, that was beautiful. Um yeah, so my take on the Pac twelve is that there might be three or four goodish teams and then everyone else is trash 
like absolute garbage. Which yeah. I, so I think we've drives, got UCLA, yeah. Oregon will figure it out because they've yeah, got they always guys. Do. They just USC's, have to USC is good, good and Arizona is probably good. And Arizona is going to be good. They have their they have their weaknesses. I watched that game really closely uh, against over there. They have their weaknesses, but they've got some guys. Um, then after that, it really falls off a cliff. I, the, the, I mean, I, one of these, one of the like programs that's probably well coached is going to probably be playing a lot better by the end of the year. I'm looking at Washington State, Oregon State, Utah. Like one of those is probably going to figure it out at some level, or Colorado, whichever one. I, I would put the money on Washington State. I, yeah, I, I really like. Has I a really like Kyle Smith. And they're well coached in Kyle yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah, but uh, the bottom the bottom chunk of the league is horrible. Um, I think ASU has dropped off a cliff entirely. Um, but Washington's horrible. Cal is horrible. Um, there's a lot of horrible in the league this year. And, and yeah, that's the thing too. When you have the, I mean, Washington and Cal lost. And I, I can't even remember who they lost to. Oh, and Stanford. Stanford's horrible too. Yeah. So what, you know, when UCLA is building its resume and that's the bottom that's the bottom of the Pac-12. Just generally, let's just say overall, the conference needs to be good. And I'm, I'm, I'm stunned that we can't get a conference that's better from top down than, I, I, I mean, Cal. And, I, and Mark Fox, I've written before. I, I know Mark Fox personally. I considered him a good coach. Damn, it must be hard just to get things rolling at Cal. I mean, we've watched them. It, it just seems so problematic that you can't get things there. Jared Haas at, at Stanford, is he in, I think he's in his seventh year, his sixth or seventh year. And the, it's, been an, it's been an unnoticeable run of six or seven years. Well, it's been noticeably bad. I mean, he's been yeah, awful. That, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't noticed it. I mean, yeah. Mike Mon- what happened to Mike Montgomery? You know what happened? Even Ben Ben Braun was a hard out at Cal. Well, if you want to talk about like the drop off in the league, because like okay, obviously UCLA hasn't been like national championship level the last like decade, but they've been okay. Like they haven't been horrible. I mean, uh, whatever we want to say about the Steve Alford era, there were like three seasons that were fine, like completely good. But like Stanford and Cal have been awful for so many years, and those are two programs that were consistently like mid level to strong for like several decades basically and now they're just really really bad and they have been for some time now and that's probably the most inexplicable like you should be able to recruit okay like you should be able to recruit okay to stanford for the like same reasons you can recruit okay in football which is there's going to be some academically minded guys who just want to go there who are pretty good and you should be able to recruit okay at cal because there is like some modicum of a tradition there and um you know they they've shown over the years that they're willing to pay um so I don't. I, I think you're, mis- talking- you're missing a major one here. You Go should be able to field a good team or put a good team on the court at at Washington. Yeah, well, that uh, one, that one, I think Mike Hopkins is an actual horrible coach. Wow, how badly does that they, fall? They off actually the have cliff? some talent. Like even this year, I think they have some. They have some dudes, but Mike Hopkins is a horrible coach. Horrible. I, 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 yeah, I mean, he's gone so much in the tank. When he was first, I, I don't think he won Pac-12. He didn't win in 2019. Did he win? 
He might have, coach but like year. if you were, and this is something I called out at the time. He had like, he had like six seniors on that team. It was a completely weird thing where like all these guys who were like fringe pros were staying. So he had like Matisse Dybul, who I think ended up he's somewhere. Uh, Fifteen Jaylen and Noel. three in the Pac-12 that year. Fifteen yeah, and no, three, twenty-six and eight overall. Right, but like you had this entire team of just like senior, 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 senior. So of course they were okay. But with, like, that many seniors, all those dudes, he won a bad Pac-12 and wasn't an elite team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the Pac-12 also was horrible that year. They were behind the AAC in strength of conference. Like, they were awful. Um, and so the, the claim to fame was that in his second year with five seniors, none of whom he recruited, they won a bad league and finished a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, the guy's just bad. He's a bad coach. Well... Yeah, I guess that does explain it because most of, in the last two years, you've looked out on the court and said, they've, they've got a few guys and they, they way underachieve for the talent that they have on the court. Yeah, they're um, not even producing at Oregon State levels. Like They're, but they're even, awful. But Lorenzo Romar at least put it together a few years to where it was hard It was hard to win at Heck Edmondson, right? It was hard. It's amazing to me the bottom half of this conference and then utah's going through its rebuild yeah and i think they'll be good i like craig smith i think he's going to be good but yeah they're going to rebuild yeah and it's funny because so many uh, there's fans out there saying why can't the pac-12 after last year having four teams in the sweet 16 uh elite eight how many were in the elite eight four teams or three teams in the elite eight right yeah yeah um why does the conference get no respect and that is generally nationally just because, yeah, the Pac-12 is never going to get respect. But it might be justified if you really did your homework because I don't think the conference is going to be – it will probably get five teams in the NCAA tournament because it'll, it'll have those four and then some team from Washington State or Tad Boyle at Colorado will make a run and, and, and be that fifth. Yeah, the, 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 the screwed up thing is if you look back at last year and if you had built in the idea, like the whole thing about not being able to practice in the offseason, in retrospect, when you look at those teams that the Pac-12 produced last year, that should have been a real, like all year it should have been the narrative because the Pac-12 would have like looked good from the beginning of the year if they'd probably been able to practice as much as the other leagues. That was one going to be one of those peak years for the Pac-12 because you had USC, they had Evan Mobley. Oregon had all their dudes. Colorado was kind of hitting that point where, you know, those programs that have to build to a point, they had McKinley Wright as a senior. Like, they had what they needed to um, really make a run. And it turned out that way. Like, Pac-12 ended up the number three conference last year. But it should have been like, you know, oh, the Pac-12 is obviously elite all year, and it just didn't actually come together until the end of it. But this year is a down year because a lot of those teams that were peaking at that time, Oregon State and Colorado namely, have to just kind of necessarily drop back because that's the way those programs are built. They're built to peak like every three or four years and then they have to rebuild a little bit because they're actually building around, you know, guys who have to be developed from freshmen into seniors who, you know, develop that kind of way. They're not one and dones. So, um, yeah, it's just that I think it's just a natural down year. Um, but coming on the heels of that NCAA tournament, it's going to feel weird for people. Yeah. So, um, this UCLA team, though, uh, everyone really probably got their real first glimpse uh, on Tuesday. Uh, 
the ta- it's it, the takeaways were just about what we had written, what we anticipated from this team. Uh, Peyton Watson was just about exactly what I had said for months. He 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 is. Uh, Miles Johnson was pretty much exactly what we had anticipated. So, um, I think. The, the slight surprise and, and the guy who keeps overachieving, who I think is underappreciated, is, is Jules Bernard. And we've brought him up before, but I, I just can't give him an, enough credit. Given where he was and where, he's, and where he is now, that, that growth and development. And it was really on display Tuesday. Other guys started off cold, Johnny Juzang, uh, some were turning the, over the ball. I mean, but that dude scored 19 points in 17 minutes. He played backup point guard. He's, uh, he is such an integral part of this team right now um, that I think everyone tends to overlook him a bit. And I think he's going to be really critical in this game tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was it was stunning just writing the season preview and then seeing all these dudes out there because it it, it, it kind of sneaks up on you, but the just sheer number of guys that UCLA has on the wing. Um, because Jules Bernard is legitimately really good. He would start for, I think, every single other Pac-12 team and maybe like 95% of the teams in the country. Um, and he's going to get pushed really, really hard by Peyton Watson and Jalen Clark all year. Um, it's yeah. just, I mean, it's really stunning how, and the thing is like, if you look at Jalen Clark and Peyton Watson first, Peyton Watson would be starting right now for, I think 11 other Pac-12 teams, probably, uh, Jalen Clark would probably start for, uh, God, he might start for 11 other. I, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to like completely overblow them, but, um, Jalen Clark in that first game, I mean, if I had like a, a kind of a, if there was even a mild surprise for me, because I think to your point, um, I think you had some really good insight into what was going to come, but um, I think we'd heard a lot. I mean, Mick Cronin's kind of an open book with this stuff, but how, um, not even how good his handle looked, but how confident he was in dribbling, um, Jalen Clark I'm talking about, that was yeah. really encouraging to me. Because um, he did, he got picked one time trying to dribble, he was trying to split a double, I think it was. Um, but for the most part, he looked really smooth and he looked completely confident doing it. If you remember last year, it wasn't just that his, you know, his handles were a little bit, um, not good at all, but he also just kind of looked uncertain with the ball in his hands. Um, especially if he was doing it, anything other than just a pure drive from the wing. Um, but he was bringing the ball up a couple of times and looked fine doing it. So I'm, I, I mean, my takeaway from that game was that everyone performed about what I was expecting. The effort level in that first half, I thought was really, really good for that kind of game. Um, it was great. And yeah, there's going to be a drop off in the second half, but I thought it was really good. And Jalen Clark, dude, and I know I'm, I'm probably a Jalen Clark biased because I've just, you know, it's just me and Jalen's, you know, I'm, I'm big. on. You, you have a crush. You have I just a, like Jalen's. I like all Jalen's. Yeah. There, there isn't a single Jalen in the world. I don't like, um, but I was really impressed with him, and I think, um, you know, Peyton Watson is good, um, but miss, you know, wide open threes enough, uh, it's going to be a hard time for him to break into a starting lineup, but Jalen Clark, you know, that rebounding, that defense, that energy, and if he can now actually dribble, well, who knows? Yeah, um, I I think Jalen Clark's outside shot isn't great either. Peyton Watson brings... 
Peyton Look, Watson sometimes brings you a lot ball of, three. Sometimes you airball three. Who cares? Yeah, Peyton Watson brings a lot of of those. Peyton Watson can handle the ball for a six eight guy. He's a great shot blocker. He, he's he's going to prove out to be a very good rebounder. So a lot of the same qualities that you're that you're talking about. Um, the guy who always that gets me now, and maybe it's just because um, you know it's a new crush, is is Miles Johnson. That's the one I've just. I just love it when someone in the in the exhibition game and against Bakersfield, when the other team like you know tried, to, they were about to throw in an entry pass. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait to watch this. Don't you get a little giddy now when yeah. he's going to go defend someone? You're like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. The one, just, the, yeah, the one note I have for him is probably something he can get away with in other leagues that are not officiated the way the Pac-12 is, but he's going to have to completely avoid all of the poking the ball stuff because he does that and it should be fine. But anytime you move your hands in a atypical way in the Pac-12, you're going to get whistled for a foul. And it happened once or twice in this game where he was going and he, and he did poke the ball, but they called it as if it was a foul. Um, so I, I think he's going to have to refine his technique to deal with um, the we'll just say what it is very bad officiating in the league but yeah no it's exciting to watch him like just one-on-one defend a dude um yeah it's really really good positional defense um he knows everything he knows all the moves um yeah it's i mean i, I think the i guess why with- it is i guess why it is dave is usually when we at ucla you get like a, a big time center let's say he was a big time prospect and he comes in the first time you ever glimpse him He's usually pretty bad. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's yeah, getting, they're terrible. He's on defense, getting juked on a on a yeah. on a head fake. He's you got to remember this guy's played a lot of basketball, so he he ain't new at this. He knows what he's doing. So that that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, he was really exciting to watch. I mean, just the whole team. I mean, the thing is, last year I think we had a little bit of a WTF because uh, basically because of the pandemic, but also I think. I, I'll just speak for myself. I had probably an inflated impression of how good they would look, like not building the pandemic in enough into my like expectations of how the team would look. This looks like the team I was expecting coming out of the final four. Like that's basically the one way I would put it is they look like they picked up where they left off. The team looks so unselfish. They still seem like they love playing with each other. Like that pass that uh, Ju sang through where he was wide open from three. He probably should have taken the three. But instead, he passed it underneath to Jaime in a spot that was not as open, anywhere close to it. But that was such a good moment to see that. Like, oh, wow, giving up that shot and and passing it under to Jaime to take a slightly more contested shot. Not a good decision, but I love to see it. A lot of that last year was Jalen Hill. Just not playing to what, coming out of the year before, what we expected was a little bit of growth and development and how he'd be better. And Miles Johnson is what we thought Jalen Hill would be. Pretty much. So I think that's a big element of all of this, too. Um, then there is that other sport oh. tomorrow. And I've been reading. I've been doing a lot of reading. Everyone thinks it's going to be a, a little more lopsided than you. Uh, a lot of them are calling two touchdown kind of thing. And you, what'd you pick? By three points? Four, I think. I think went, Four. Did I go 35-31? Okay. Something like that. Yeah, I don't. So it's a little bit of a, a leap because Colorado, so they beat Oregon State. Um, but the thing that has stood out to me is that their offense has gone from, like, 
I can't adequately describe it to people if you haven't been watching Colorado all this year, and I don't blame you. It's really awful. It's the like epitome of Carl Durrell offense. It's really boring. But on top of that, like even building in that Carl uh, that Carl Durrell's offense and every offense he's ever run is like really boring and awful. It's been terrible. Like completely hopeless from every snap. Like you know before the snap is happening, it's going to be a blown up play. It's just awful. The offensive line has played horribly. And then two and a half weeks ago, they fired their offensive line coach and brought over um, one of the GAs uh, from the quality control staff, uh, who is a former Alabama offensive lineman. And suddenly, they look like a normal, boring Carl Durrell offense. It's not quite as bad. They're running the ball okay. They're still really deliberate. They're still really slow. They still go under center a lot. They're still trying to ask a dual threat quarterback to fit into a you know, essentially a drop pack passer mold, but building all of that in, the offense has become something that's like below average, which is such an insane leap up from where they were. So you have that. Then on top well, of that, it, yeah, go ahead. keep going. Yeah, go. Sorry, but then no, I was just going to say. <laughs> I was just going to say, but Brendan Lewis has improved, and they've fitted a game to him that he can execute a well, he's, lot better. They stopped sacking him. Every single snap, which was a that's huge because deal. they're throwing the ball quickly, and he's throwing fifteen yards and shorter. Well, also the offensive line is not an absolute sieve anymore. I mean, he yeah. is—he's actually having some time to throw. They are just doing dump offs, but they were doing dump offs all year. I mean, but they're just, also freezing everyone now because Jarek Broussard is actually in his form from the previous season. But again, so, the reason he's in his form is because he's not getting hit a yard behind the line of scrimmage because the offensive so line. Wait. Is so better. who is this guy? I don't know who it is. Who's who's the who took over offensive line coach? William Vlachos. Uh, he's just. I mean, he was a quality control no, guy. Billy. Billy Vlachos. Billy. Billy. I don't know who that is. I, I oh, wow, no we're we're we have just pumped up this guy. No, I'm. I, uh, but like, this is the insane thing is because you and I both know like position coaches during the season, like the impact you can have is like pretty minimal. Like, yeah, in the off season, especially in recruiting, but like. This is unheard of for me, that a single position coach switch actually is making this big of an impact. But isolating all the factors, I actually think it is. Like, I think it is. Well, they it, changed the position yeah. coach because the previous guy was like a high school offensive line coach who they promoted to that role for some reason. You can make an impact if the previous guy was so hideous and you're just Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, anyway. And a lot of it is mentality. If, you, if somehow you can't get the kids to play for you. Yeah, you know, there's just some kind of toxic environment. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I don't know if that was the case here. Who knows? And you just throw all that out and start over. A lot of times, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, the all the players, you know, will reboot and start over again, and and maybe be a lot better as a unit. Yeah, and it, it could be all that and simplification. Maybe they were just like, we're going to do like two blocking concepts and that's it, or whatever. But anyway. Uh, the offense has been below average the last two games, which is a big step up. And then the defense has had flashes of being really, really good. Now, they've also had flashes of being the worst defense in the conference. Uh, but a big part of that is that the offense has been so bad for most of the year that I think it was putting a bunch of pressure on the defense. Now, the the worry for Colorado in this game is that Nate Landman is probably still out. Uh, he's their best defensive player, but their defensive line has played a lot better the last few games. Uh, Mustafa Johnson, who had a weird journey back from um, declaring for the NFL draft early, then he had to get a waiver to play again. He had to sit out the first four games of the year. He's rounded into form and been a lot better the last two games. 
there's a lot of reasons to think this Colorado team is a lot better. And that doesn't mean they're good, but that they're a lot better than how awful they've looked. I think they're a below average team. I don't think they're like the absolute bar, the basement of the Pac-12 anymore, which makes it interesting with UCLA because UCLA, they're going to be um, probably Dorian Thompson Robinson back in this one. Maybe he's rusty. Maybe he isn't. Who knows? Uh, but the defense has gotten noticeably worse. The run, the run defense was very bad in the last game against Utah. Did they fix it in the last few weeks? What's the offensive line situation at right tackle? Like, there's a lot of questions that um, if UCLA is not amped up for this game, and you could see reasons why they might not be with USC on the horizon, uh, and Colorado comes into it with, hey, we've got some things going now. We just got a win. We got a real win, not one over Arizona, but a real win um, over a pretty good Pac-12 team. And now we're going back to the Rose Bowl. Carl Durrell's all pumped for the game because it's his first time back at the Rose Bowl in a while. I don't know. Could be a close game. That's all I'm saying. You think Carl Durrell is just going to randomly, while because he's he's got so much going on while he's in the headset, you know, he he's just is so <laughs> distracted because he's doing so much. He's going to start to hear an eight clap, and he's just randomly going to start do it and forget himself. Maybe, maybe. I don't Here, know. Here's cause... the th- here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. We're talking if you're talking about Colorado's defense, and I think you, you ever you're capturing it. In no way are they even average, but now they might be uh, like the whole team might be slightly below average. Yeah. When I watched when I watched Oregon State Colorado, my my thing going in that I was expecting the whole game, Oregon State is going to gash them on the ground, just destroy. I mean, have you seen their running back Baylor? BJ, oh yeah, dude, BJ, BJ Baylor is awesome. He's he's all Pac-12. He's uh, best running back in the Pac-12 right now. He is going to be just. Uh, I, I thought going into that game, he he was going to just destroy. They ran for two hundred yards or something. But watching the game, your takeaway was, huh, they didn't do that bad. They didn't do that badly. They kind of held their own there for a while. So, uh, I, I, I've just got to think that the last two weeks of how Colorado has played has not been a fluke. They were a young team that's gotten better. I would be surprised if they just completely have a setback to like we see Colorado from the first few weeks of the season and don't play competitively. Yeah. I think think a lot of this is going to be what you said. Is UCLA going to be in this game or not? You know, when you come out of a bye, doesn't UCLA always play kind of badly coming out of a bye? Yeah, I mean, it's always, like, I think they're going to win. Like, I, I do. I, I think UCLA is going to pull it out. But, yeah, I could see them starting slow. I could see it, you know, Colorado having a few tricks up its sleeve because it is. I, I think there will be an element where Carl Durrell's like, you know, screw these guys. I'm going to do this. Um, and I don't think that they're going to win. mastermind. He's yeah, a mastermind. He's not a mastermind. But, like, yes, this seems like a kind of game where they might install a few more trick plays. You know, something to get them, you know, going a little bit. Uh, Brendan Rice on some like weird nifty end around or something. Uh, that dude's fast, by the way. He's going to run past yeah. UCLA's entire. He's kind of large. He's kind of large too. Yeah, he's yeah. big, big and fast, big and fast. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, my point is, I I don't think it's going to be a blowout. It could be. I mean, who knows? I'm I'm wrong a lot, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think uh, UCLA is going to have a real game on its hands. And everyone keeps asking about the status of Chip Kelly, and it and it pretty much is is still the same. I mean, it's a fluid situation. If I had to read the pulse, I'd still say 
If I had a bet and I was in Vegas, I'd still say UCLA is going to have a different coach next year for a number of different factors. Uh, one factor to keep in mind, though, and I'm sure this will get people talking on the forum. How many Pac-12 teams are going to be replacing coaches next year? Well, we got USC, right? Um, uh, I, I think Jimmy Lake is... Uh, right now, the word is that Jimmy Lake's safe, but then... It's always about anticipating what the what the feeling is going to be at the end of the season when all the donors up there just say, screw it, we don't want this, it's toxic, get rid of him. Uh, I've heard Herm Edwards might be retained, um, but Washington State's looking for a coach. I, I mean, you're going to have uh, conservatively three or four probably coaches that impact 12 that, that need to be hired. It'll be interesting to see if UCLA wants to jump into that. Uh, that ha that's going to be, while you and I, everyone else might think that's just BS, it shouldn't be a factor. This is the way athletic departments think. Um, so keep that in mind. I would say this though, for Chip Kelly to really uh, be able to make a case, that a strong case that you know, he, he should stay. He's got to win at least one. He's, he can't lose one of the last three games. I think he's got to win out. If he loses either Colorado, uh, you know, the worst USC team in a very long time, or a Cal team that is probably going to still be decimated by COVID, then that's that's really, really bad. <laughs> well, he's going to lose one of those. So uh... Which one, Dave? Uh, aggregate. Whichever one, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be competitive against Colorado. I think they'll lose to Cal because I don't think they're gonna be decimated by COVID by the end of the end of November. Um, it sounded like by this week, actually, it was just one position group, but they couldn't play without that position group. Um, so I think Cal is gonna be fine. And frankly, Cal the last few weeks before they got decimated by COVID um, was looking pretty good, actually. Um, so if they're back to full health by the end of the year. That's a team that could absolutely beat UCLA. And frankly, USC, uh, even without Drake London, uh, I'm not excited to see like Gary Bryan against the secondary. Um, frankly, any dude with a pulse against the secondary is not going to be a pretty sight. So, uh, And, and yeah. here's the thing, too. When it comes to Chip Kelly's status, it, it might not even – I'm saying these are factors, but it might not hinge on that also. I said, As I've written before, there are different scenarios where he could still – you know, end the season on a relatively good note and still uh, leave UCLA. Right. Um, that's very real in happening. So okay. we've got, what would you say? We've got three weeks about to really, uh, uh, three weeks that are pretty critical to the, you know, in terms of the future of the UCLA football program. Totally. Going to be exciting. Totally. All right. Going to be exciting. So, uh, exciting weekend. Exciting uh, I mean, weekend. Fun times Number to be had. two versus number four, which, when's the last time we had that? I, I can't even, I can't even fathom. I think somebody was saying it was 92. Wow. Yeah. The last time there was wow. like a top five matchup at Poly. Wow. Does everyone just thank Mick Cronin for just giving you all something to live for in your Bruin lives? That's um, beautiful. And then, I mean, this isn't just a throwaway week with, with Colorado either. So it's when we have these these crossover overlap weeks of football and basketball, uh, 
sometimes there isn't that much going on. This year, there's a lot going on. So there's a lot to pay attention to if you're a UCLA fan. Very cool. All right. Well, you all done? Okay. You, got, you good? You good? <laughs> I'm done, Dave. All right. Yes. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And we'll talk to you again next time. Everyone, be safe out there.